Pretty good. Well, In case you didn't have problems. Am I better? We'll do this for a sec. If you want to, um, it sounds like I'm clear now. Okay. All right. Um, I, I want to just mention something as I begin. And the first thing is, if you come here very often, I hope you'll pick up different people reading, different people doing music, different people sharing ministry reports, um, that its involvement in the body of Christ is uh, an opportunity available to you. And I want to encourage you to think about that. And it's like, well, where, where do I get the opportunity to serve? And it doesn't mean you have to be a person standing here. You had different people greet you when you walked in. You had someone set up the parking lot and moved cones around and people were here before we had dinner last Wednesday night and after we had dinner and some people were here a long time during the day preparing different things that the church was providing for. And I just hopefully one of the things that just sort of starts to settle into your mind is you're like going, man, there's a lot of people serving God that make up the body of Christ. And I just kind of want to throw that out there and just kind of pose that question. Like, what, what's your part? What are you doing? Um, God wants you to do something and be involved. And for some people, they're serving the Lord and it might not necessarily be here. They might be involved in something else. They might be super involved at, one of the, at their school. Uh, they might be involved in Bible study. So it's kind of hard to tell exactly what everyone is doing until you get to know people and you start figuring it out. Uh, so I just want you to think about that. I want you to think about um, what does my Christian life look like and how am I finding ways to serve and honor God and make His name known. Uh, I think maybe I, I was listening to people in the, the before we prayed and a couple of different things and I think maybe I gave the wrong idea about the sermon today. This is not going to be an exposition of, of Romans 8. Um, we're still over in Ephesians 6, so um, I'm going to be talking about Romans 8 and how that is part of praying, what it means to pray in the Spirit of God. And Romans 8 is the, probably the heaviest chapter in all the Bible that refers to the Holy Spirit more times than any other chapter in the Bible, but I... I don't want to disappoint anyone to say, oh, we're going to get into all the juicy, wonderful, wonderful content of Romans 8. We're still finishing our series from Ephesians 6, but I couldn't read Ephesians. I didn't want to read Ephesians 6 for nine weeks in a row, the same text. Uh, so I started looking for passages that relate to the very topic at hand. And the topic to hand today is praying in the Spirit. In Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, we have learned that we are in a true and active war against real spiritual powers, satanic and demonic powers that work in this present darkness. Uh, Paul wrote that we are fighting against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And God wants to fight for us and through us. 
and he wants to instruct us and teach us how to put on spiritual armor available to us, uh, such as a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, gospel shoes, a shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, and he wants to teach us to pray in the Spirit. And I want to just throw this uh, statement out that I think everyone would agree with, but I don't know that we always think about it. Um, evil has a leader, and so does good. And maybe that's a simple way of thinking about spiritual warfare. When you see evil, and there's a lot of it, well, evil has a leader. And when you see good, real good, long-lasting, eternal good, good has a leader. And that's sort of a simple way, almost oversimplification, but at least hopefully you get that part. Um, you always say, well, what's, what's behind that or who's behind that? And that's the kind of question that we should be trying to answer. And that's what Paul wanted us to understand. And that's what worldview that we have as a Christian. We have a worldview that says, well, what, what's behind that? And who's behind that? We don't just simply go, oh, that, that wasn't good. Or, oh, that was nice. That we're asking a larger question behind the scenes. Well, who's behind that? And we've been working for, uh, I think this is our eighth week, and going through and looking at this spiritual battle. And so now I want to focus in and draw in on the last couple of verses. And I, I think in my preparation, I think I'm, I'm just going to end up with one more sermon and then we're done. And that last sermon is going to be just talking about how all this serves to promote the kingdom of God. But before we get there, I just want to read the last couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 6, immediately after it says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In verse 18, it then says, it's sort of like a, an extension of everything and, and praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, or like for the purpose, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication with all the saints, and also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul is pleading with the Christians, please pray. Um, please pray that God would accompany and empower his troops, his people, those who are preaching the word of God, those who are serving in different capacities, those who are doing face-to-face, hand-to-hand combat with evil, please pray. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to go forward without mighty prayer. And that's where, we're, where we are. Um, some of you are aware that we're currently right now doing 21 days of transforming prayer. We bought 100 books. That wasn't enough. We bought 30 more. I'm not exactly sure how many we have at the moment, but um, I think we... Okay, and actually I think we bought 100, then 20, then 30. So everyone kept, I was surprised. We bought 50 and people gobbled those up. 50 more grabbed those. 
20 more, grab those. 30 more, grab those. So if you didn't grab one at some point, you're going to be in the minority, okay? We just keep adding to this. And I've had so many people say, this is amazing, this is wonderful. I've had people say, oh, I knew those things, but the way this author kind of is helping me um, form, formulate some ideas have been very helpful. So I just keep hearing positive things. How many people have started this or reading this? Okay, a lot of you. If you haven't, that's fine. Um, but maybe this will encourage you. We're, you're not getting a, a spiritual spanking or something like that. We're just like a motivation. It's like a, a nugget is being held up in front of you to say, man, there's a lot of people that are excited about this. And we believe that we need this. Okay. So Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Who believes in prayer. I think probably everybody. <laughs> Who has ever experienced frustration with prayer? Probably everybody. And those of you who haven't, we need to talk about lying. <laughs> okay. And who has had prayers answered? Praise God. Praise God. And who would like to learn how to be more effective in prayer? Seems like all the same hands were just up there. Yeah, me too, me too. There's me, that's me, that's me. But maybe there's some here that this is new stuff for you. And I hope it's going to be helpful. And therefore, I want to pause just a second. And, and I want to, in the first second, I want you to pray. And I want you to pray about prayer. And I just simply want you to say, Lord God, I want you to teach me anything that I could learn in this sermon. And then maybe anything I could learn from a, a tool because I need prayer in my life. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up. So you've got just a second and I want you to just simply bow your head and I want you to ask God to, be, to teach you more about prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you desire to commune with us. Thank you that you've made every provision possible that we as sinful human beings made in the image of God may find our spirits restored and renewed that we might have meaningful conversation and real relationship with you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are our mediator situated right now at the right hand of the Father. Thank you that you did everything required that we can have relationship and conversation with the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have come to dwell in our hearts 
and that you reside in us and make it possible that we can have relationship and unbroken communication from heaven and earth. And we pray that you would be our teacher and take us deeper into understanding and deeper in our own experience of what it is to pray in the Spirit. And we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to make several points. And the first one is that prayer is where we get power for spiritual warfare. We've talked about different weapons and we've asked how do those weapons apply and what do these different weapons mean. And now we're asking the question, well, where are we going to get the power to apply or live out or properly use these wonderful, wonderful weapons that we have for spiritual warfare? Prayer. Prayer. Spiritual, spirit-filled prayer is where we get power for spiritual warfare. I'm sure you know that all God's soldiers, all Christians, must be familiar with prayer. And Ephesians 6 to 18 says, praying at all times, like this is ongoing, non-stopping, ever-available prayer, praying at all times in the Spirit, praying at all times in the Spirit, We can be in the flesh and we can be in the spirit. There's never one recommendation in the Bible to pray in the flesh. But there are multiple examples of people praying in the flesh. You often pray in the flesh. When you're praying in the flesh, you're not praying in the spirit. You cannot pray in the flesh and in the spirit simultaneously. The goal is to pray in the Spirit. The goal is to recognize any time when you are praying in the flesh. Millions and millions of people have replied, have, re, have um, memorized and, re, and recited the Lord's Prayer in the flesh. Many people have thought it was like an automatic prayer with the very words of Scripture that came from the mouth of Jesus in answer to a request by the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. And many people have prayed those words, but not in the way Jesus taught them to pray it because they repeated them like an automatic weapon with no mind or thought about what they were saying. And that is praying in the flesh. Praying in the Spirit is not only to do what Jesus said to do, but how Jesus said to do it. And so we need to ask ourselves, are my prayers in the Spirit? Am I praying at all times or whatever times I'm engaged in this practice called prayer, but am I praying in the flesh or am I praying in the Spirit? Just because you're saying a prayer doesn't mean you're doing prayer. Just because you offer a prayer doesn't mean heaven is receiving a prayer. 
Just because you're bowed over and hands say, now I lay me down to sleep, or thank you, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for His food, that may not be prayer. It might be a prayer, but it might be no different than someone praying to Buddha unless you're praying in the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. Prayer is like an extension cord that connects us to heaven. You know what happens when you're running something and the extension cord isn't long enough? Whatever it is you're trying to do stops. I don't know why. It's just the boy nature in me that sometimes when my wife is vacuuming, I like to unplug it and just wait. And now it doesn't work anymore. She's like, funny. But it used to be that she thought she had pulled it too far. And she's like looking around and trying to figure out. And I've pulled the cord. And the power's gone. And the vacuum cleaner is nothing but a clumsy piece of nothing if it's not vacuuming. But when it's vacuuming and working, it's a wonderful tool. And prayer is a bunch of nothing if it's not connected to God by the Holy Spirit. It's a clumsy, boring, worthless piece of nothing unless it's empowered by the living God. Your words don't move heaven. The Spirit of God working in you moves heaven. Prayer, maybe it's more like Wi-Fi. If you're fully connected, you get full access. And the better connection, the better the access and the better the result. There's a verse in Genesis 4:26. Early in the history of manhood and the world, there was Adam and Eve in the garden and then they had been cast out of the garden and then there was the obvious frustration of living in separation from God and being spiritually dead as a result of sin. And there was an, uh, a light on occurrence, a light's on, like Wi-Fi finally, hit, spiritual Wi-Fi hit certain people. And they, the Bible says it like this. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And it's like they were wanting to connect with God, like a light went off, it went on rather. And they were beginning to decide, suddenly they decided, we've lived in the flesh. We want to live, we want to know God. We need God. Seeking God begins by calling upon the Lord in prayer. And Genesis 32, you remember the story where Jacob was wrestling with God and he made a statement in this. And Jacob had lived in the flesh. He had tried to manipulate God in the flesh. He manipulated his father and wanted the inheritance belonging to his brother, but he wanted to manipulate. His mother joined in and manipulating things in the flesh. And Jacob was at that point a deceiver, a deceitful 
young man and he tried to work things according to his natural ability and sneak and connive and lie and deceive. But there came a day when he was at Peniel, which means the face of God. He came face to face with God and he said, away with your deceptive ways. And he began to wrestle with a messenger of God. And he said, I will not stop wrestling. I will not let go until you bless me. And there has to be a point in your life when you're tired of all your physical manipulation and you're tired of trying to fix everything and you won't listen to anyone else and you have to do it your way and God you begin to have this wrestling with God and you finally realize I can't give up until I experience the blessing of God it's like this hunger and you begin to pursue God and you're relentless and you're like I'm seeking you become a seeker and you begin to search for God and you realize I don't want to go forward anymore without God. You realize there is this spiritual realm. Such praying is what connects us to God and God's will and God's power. You must seek and seek God and speak to God and cry out to God and persevere until you get an answer from God. And the password is real simple. It's Jesus. Into your heart. The password is Jesus. I need Jesus. I want you, Jesus. And it's salvation in Jesus Christ. That is the password. That's what cuts on spiritual Wi-Fi. You have to have the password. You can't just run in and say, well, my password at my house is dog, or mine is cat, or mine is flowers, or mine is my name. There's only one password into heaven, and it is the name Jesus, and it is salvation in Jesus Christ. So prayer is where we get power for spiritual warfare. Secondly, we desperately and immediately need praying in the Spirit. We need praying in the Spirit. This book, Transforming Prayer, has so many good things in it. And in the introduction, there's an introduction by Jim Cimbala. And he says, the Christian church must be stirred to arise and live out the calling Jesus gave us as salt and light. But how can we see a radical change in the spiritual landscape without a radical return to prayer and the word by the body of Christ. So this clearly means nothing's going to change unless we are spiritually connected. To light the fire of revival, we need to pray in the spirit according to the word and will of God which means we must be in the Spirit and we must be in the Word. If you want to learn to pray in the Spirit, you need to learn to get in the Word and you need to learn to get into the Spirit of God. It's not as complicated as people try to make it. Praying in the Spirit is not only New Testament, but it is easier New Testament the Holy Spirit was active in the, whole, in the Old Testament, but explosive in the New Testament. He was more localized in the Old Testament, but now He is globalizing in the New Testament. It's easier than ever. In the Old Testament, the Spirit was focused upon Israel and guaranteeing the coming of Christ in the Gospels 
He was filling Jesus with the Spirit and fulfilling all of the law and preparing Him to be the Lamb of God and to take away the sins of the world. So the Old Testament, the Spirit was anticipating the coming of Christ and the coming of Christ was the filling with the Spirit, a man of God so utterly full of the Holy Spirit that he did nothing in his entire life but the will of God which included fulfilling the demands of the law in order to be our Savior. And then from Pentecost to the finish line, the Spirit has exploded with a new normal of easy access to the Holy of Holies made possible by the blood of Jesus with the invincible power to take the gospel to all, to all nations. So prayer is how God fills, directs, commissions, empowers the soldiers of God who are committed to the advancement of His kingdom. That's what it is to be praying in the Spirit. Prayer in the Spirit. Number three, do you want to learn to pray in the Spirit? Do you want to learn to pray in the Spirit. I can tell, uh, I, I don't know how funny it is, but at times it's a kind of funny story. But when I was younger, I, I was thought that praying in the Spirit meant praying in tongues. And it can. You certainly can't pray in tongues if you're not in the Spirit. Otherwise, it's not of God. But that's not all that it meant. And I was around a few people and I was a young Christian, and so I thought praying in the Spirit was automatically and only praying in the Spirit. And so I went to a few churches to try to flesh this out, or spirit this out, I guess. And I got in a circle, and all these people got around me, and they were laying hands on me, and they kept telling me just to do it. And I... I tried, but I didn't know what they meant. I just like, do it. Just pray in the Spirit. Just loose your tongue. And I've done that before when speaking to people. And that didn't always go so well. And I just felt like in that setting, and I'm not declaring, some of you have been in those settings. And I was in that setting where they were telling me what I needed and not the Spirit of God. And so I was confused and it didn't take me that long to figure out. I, I don't think what they're trying to give me is what God is trying to give me at this moment. I will say that after many years and many struggles and journeys, I believe that praying in tongues is still a spiritual gifting of God. Okay? I don't personally have that gift and I have told God many, many, many times, I'll take any gift you want to give me, God. And if you want to give me the gift of speaking in tongues or praying in tongues, I'm all yours. And sometimes I say, Lord, how can I be a pastor who talks about spiritual giftings if I don't have them all? And he says very easily, by using the gift I give you. Okay? And that's enough. But so I want to say, I'm aware of praying in tongues. 
But I think that's one possibility, not the whole realm of praying in the Spirit. And we have people in this room who have the gift of praying. They have a prayer language. And I believe them. And I don't have that. But we have people in this room that have other giftings that I don't have. And I believe in that too. But what I want to say is what Paul is writing, I want every Christian to have. I want every Christian to know how to pray in the Spirit. And if it pleases God and He chooses for it to be manifest in a spiritual language, then that's His business because He is the gift giver. But I'm not what is called a cessationist. I spent a large part of my life as a cessationist, which means all the gifts don't speak. Not my, it's not my whole point to go here. So it's not like I want to spend like, oh, now he's going to do a whole sermon series. We already did that. And we talked about it when we went on spiritual giftings. And I was as honest as I could be then. And I was standing in the same spot now as I was then. And I don't think anyone's freaked out or left our church over it. I've had some people ask really good questions because of it. But what I want to focus on now is you need to pray in the Spirit. We need to be a church that prays in the Spirit. Okay? Um, do you want to learn how? Then my first recommendation is Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. The first thing that you're going to need to do if you want to pray in the Spirit is be still and wait upon God. Wait for God to move before you start moving. Okay, it's essential. Praying in the Spirit means praying by the Holy Spirit and praying in alignment with the Holy Spirit and praying out of the energy and thought and communion with the Holy Spirit. And due to our infection with modern distraction and hurry, we do not experience the presence of God because we move before He can settle over us. We rush into prayer or worship and we ask God to come and work according to our time requirements. But while the cloud of God is just beginning to settle over us, we are up and off. We leave before the work is done or often before it even begins. We leave before any answers come. We go out into the battle before hearing from our commander and we say prayer does not work or God is not listening to my prayers when the truth is we are not willing to wait upon the Lord. We are like the hurried driver who is really hungry and has a short time schedule so he drives madly into the fast food restaurant, places his order, gets behind three cars, and it's not so fast. It's not going fast enough, so he pulls out a line and speeds off angry without any food. Anybody ever done that? I have. It's like, oh man, I thought this was fast food, and I thought it's surely going to take less than five minutes, and there's just us. And it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm late, and I'm hungry, and I, I just got to go. And I, I've I'm often, way too often, like that in prayer. 
We want fast answers from God, but God wants us to do a slow, He wants to do a slow work in us. We think that we, that what we most need is a speedy reply to an urgent situation, but God wants us to know that He can take care of us and is not bound by our crisis and is waiting for us to lock eyes and not move until we are entirely fixed upon waiting for Him to give us our next move. Praying in the Spirit is also worship-based, God-centered, God-focused, God-directed. In this book, I want to describe worship-based prayer. This is one of the primary emphases in this book is that we come for God's hand and not God's face. We're seeking the handout not just simply waiting before God. And listen, and this comes from day one, worship-based prayer seeks the face of God before the hand of God. God's face is the essence of who He is. God's hand is the blessing of what He does. God's face represents His personal presence. God's hand expresses His provision for needs in our lives. I have learned that if all we ever do is seek God's hand, we may miss His face. But if we seek His face, He will be glad to open His hand and satisfy the deepest desires of our hearts. This approach to prayer always begins with a focus on biblical, spirit-empowered worship. It is distinctively different than the traditional approach that emphasizes prayer requests and long list of needs as the foundation of prayer, Christ taught a worship-based approach to prayer. It is not complicated. While the term may sound a bit different, the approach is not difficult. Ultimately, it is as pure as opening the Scriptures and the soul and Spirit-led communion with Christ and allowing Him to set the agenda from every prayer time you enjoy. It's so simple. Instead of seeking God always for His hand and like, Lord, gimme, 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 it begins with, Lord, I want you. It's pursuing the God who gives, not what God gives. Recognizing that in Him all needs are met. It's taking your list and giving it and placing it into God's hand. And say, Lord God, here's the things worrying me. I know you care about them, but I'm here because you care about me and you have the power to open the fountain of blessing. I just need to look to you and trust you. So praying in the Spirit is settling into a spiritual mindset where we give ourselves whatever time it takes for us to want nothing more than God's coming into our hearts with peace and faith and trust, a readiness to receive His directives, whatever His next move is. We have gotten ourselves into a posture of willing obedience. That's how you pray in the Spirit. You get into the presence of God and you wait for a posture of obedience. You wait for your heart to align with God's. You don't run in there and try to manipulate God to do your will. You surrender to God that you would long to do His will.
You see, we go into prayer with our will and our minds. And God says, I release my power for my will, not yours. In Acts chapter 1-8, remember, said the Holy Spirit will come and He will empower you. It's a promise of God. Now that is a promise as sure as can be. And He will release us and give us power from on high, not that we make straight A's and get into grad school. So that His will will be done and His name will be known in all the earth. And by the way, it might be because He wants you to go to grad school and serve in some certain capacity. But you can't reverse the order without unplugging the cord. So important. Okay? So let me say there's two descriptions of praying in the Spirit out of this book. And this is day 12. Uh, Kenneth West a commentator and biblical scholar said, Praying in the Spirit is praying in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It is prayer exercised in the sphere of the Holy Spirit, motivated and empowered by Him. John Piper in this same book that day 12 is quoted as saying, Praying in the Holy Spirit is to be moved and guided by the Spirit in prayer. We pray for His will and according to His direction. So, I want you to write down, if you're a note taker, several passages. Romans 8. John 15. Galatians 5. Psalm 51. Matthew 6, 5 to 14. Romans 8, it was 1 to 30. John 15, and that is the high priestly prayer. Pretty much the whole... Um, no, I'm sorry, John 15 is abiding in Christ. And that is um, verses... 1 through 17 and Galatians 5 and that is the passage on the fruit of the Spirit and I think that begins around verse 16 and goes to the end of the chapter I believe. Sixteen to the end of the chapter, verse twenty-five, and then Psalm fifty-one, the entirety. David's prayer after he sinned grievously, and Matthew six, and so. Um, my sermon for next week's already done because I didn't I didn't get to any of this, okay. But that doesn't mean God is done. So I've given you what we're going to be looking at next week. Okay, we're going to, and I want you to look at every one of these passages. And I want you to ask you, what does praying in the Spirit look like? And how does this passage help me? So we're going to look at these passages. And we're still asking ourselves, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? And the simplest, the simplest 
way I know is you take this book and you read it and you sit there until God aligns your heart with His will. To me, that's the simplest way I know to pray in the Spirit. You take this book, which is the will of God, and you sit there until God aligns you. And then you're in the Spirit. Okay? Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Father, I just pray that this cloud of glory will come and just settle over us. And we will learn to wait upon you as a church. And we'll just learn that we're just going to sit here another week. And we're going to ask ourselves, what does it mean? Do I know how to pray in the Spirit? May this question just permeate every time I start to pray this week. Will you just make me ask this question? Am I praying in the flesh? Am I just quoting a passage? Or do I have something where I am running into your presence with my will? But I want to run into your presence to sit down, to kneel at the cross. I want to hear from your word. And then I want to align. Realign me, God. And help me to learn not to get up until you've aligned me. And then I... I'm learning to pray in the Spirit, to pray for your will and your work in your time, learning to trust you and coming into your presence and waiting for you. God, that we might learn to pray in the Spirit at all times so that the gospel can go forward and that we might be good soldiers and see Christ's kingdom go forward. We pray all this in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. So lastly, I want to say as we sing, if you have never trusted Christ in your life or you're not sure and you just like, I just want to make sure that I'm right with God, I want you to think as we sing and I want you to picture the cross where Jesus died for sinners. I want you to picture yourself coming and kneeling before the cross and saying, Lord God, I am yours. I give myself to you. I have prayed many a fleshly prayer, but I want to pray in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to fellowship you, and I want to align my life with your will and your purposes. I want to know the blessings of New Covenant, post-Pentecost, Holy Spirit living. And I want to surrender to you. And everyone here can pray that way. And I ask you to do whatever you need to do. If you need to get up and move. If you need to come down and kneel. If you just need to stand there and pray. But I pray that no one would be inactive. And the Spirit of God would be coming over you and filling this place. And you would begin to sense that you want your life to align with the purposes of God. And that you might begin to learn to pray in the Spirit. To wait upon upon you. We pray in the blessed, holy name of Jesus. Amen.